1: means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: Welcome to the Bondyard with Steve Robertson as always. I am your good friend and host Steve Robertson here on the hump day edition of the yard. Nice day out today. It's uh, low 70s here in Starkville, a little bit overcast. Supposed to get some uh, some weather later today. But hopefully nothing too serious. I don't know about you, but it seems like, you know, once a week we're finding out other oh, historic weather coming next week, and uh, you know, for some people it has been, you know. So I, I know I know it's springtime weather, but I'm ready for things to kind of settle in. Of course, we'll always have those afternoon thunderstorms in the summer, and uh, that stifling Mississippi heat that uh, helps us build so much character. But uh, I think this is if we can make it through the weekend, I think it'll be the first first week of college baseball season we hadn't had to move a game so that'd be nice we will get the game in last night we're going to break that down in the second segment of the show for those of you that will be in town this weekend to watch the bulldogs beat up on lsu i will be signing books this saturday at the lodge maybe you're familiar with the lodge it's an institution so that's going to be 10 to around 12:30 this saturday and then monday if you are in newton county I will be uh, with the Alumni Association at an alumni event in Newton. At uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, so please forgive me. It's Las Par... I, I can't even say it. Las Paralelos, <laughs> Mexican Grill. You know the place. 209 Eastside Drive. You guys are going to make fun of me for all these mispronunciations I do. 209 Eastside Drive there in Newton. That's 6 to 8. That's Monday, April 11th. Monday, April 11th. So Saturday, this coming Saturday, at the Lodge, 10 to 2, 10 to 2, 1230, excuse me, and then Monday with the Alumni Association, 6 to 8 out in Newton, 209 Eastside Drive, at the Mexican Grill. You know how to get there. Uh, if you have not ordered your copy of Dogpile, they have freed up a little extra inventory. There's not much, uh, and the second printing is already uh, in process as we go now. But you go to dogpilethebook.com and you can get personalized copies. Now, if you ask for personalization, it'll take about a week longer. If you just need a signed copy, they usually can get that in the mail for you the next day or two. Uh, While you're there, you can get uh, copies of Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. And there are only probably about maybe 75 of you that are going to be able to get a copy of Stark Villains this year because we're not going to print it again this year. So once it goes out of print... There'll be a short run maybe next year just to kind of top off some inventory levels. But uh, if you want Stark Villains, you need to make a move. And Alpha Dog's not too far behind it. Uh, the, everything's selling well. You know, when the new book comes out, it kind of pulls everything with it. So they haven't given me a fresh inventory since I gave you those numbers. And the last time we talked about it, it was between three and 400 copies of Flim Flam, about 200 copies of Alpha Dogs, and um, less than 100, or right at 100 for Stark Villains. And then... Once I shared that with you guys, I think we sold about 20, 25 copies uh, pretty quickly. So if you want to get those, you need to make a move. And, of course, if you want Blooms of Oleander, you can order that from Amazon. That's ba- basically print-on-demand. It's not sitting around in a warehouse there. You can get it on Amazon or get it on barnesandnoble.com, BooksAMillion.com, or in great bookstores everywhere. But that's where we are. So, again, Saturday, if you want to come out and say hello, I'll be at the Lodge. I hadn't, hadn't signed at the Lodge this book cycle. You know, We've had a, a change in the weather there, a change in, uh, in ownership. And so – haven't been there uh, since they've made the change for a signing. So that will be there this Saturday. So if you're on your way to town or you're in town, maybe you come spend the night Friday, watch a ball game. Maybe you want to go over there and grab some donuts and come by and see me and, and get a couple of books. So that's this Saturday. So the book's still doing exceptionally well. Thank you for all your support. But, uh, again, if you want to order online, you can, dogpilethebook.com. All right, let's uh, thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. They love me. They will love you, too. They already do. They may just be friends you hadn't met yet. I love going in there. It's always great. The atmosphere is great. The food is great. Service is great. And it doesn't matter which one I go to. And I've I've been to two of the three. Maybe you've completed the Bulldog Burger Company trifecta. Maybe you should let me know. But I know the consistency that goes along with the Eat With Us group. These people know how to make your dining experience top shelf. Three three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And then the new one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowwood area. Got some new items coming to the menu soon. I got to get over there and test those things. I haven't been able to get over there yet. I've been on the road. You know, I was on the road four days last week. And so, got to get over there and check them out. I like to know what's going on with Bulldog Burger Company because they – The thing that I have learned about them is they don't introduce anything new to the menu that is not outstanding. Great people doing a great job at a great price. Go have that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Treat yourself to something nice. Don't always just starve yourself and say, well, you know, i got to prepackage my food. Sometimes you just got to let it go, man, and go out there and enjoy life a little bit. Get those great portions at Bulldog Burger Company. Go check them out today, Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meat, M-E-A-T. All right, let's jump into the Bulldog baseball win last night. I got some interesting stuff about Mississippi State and SEC baseball to share with you a little bit later in the show. I think there are some people. Sometimes we become so acutely aware of our own issues, we don't look at the big picture. So I'm going to help put some things into focus for you later in this show. Let's start with this uh, this win. I hate to call it a big win, but let's say it was an impressive win. Because uh, State went out there and took care of business. Very, very impressed with State's offensive approach last night. And there have been times we hadn't been nearly aggressive. You know, we come out last night, we kind of punched them in the mouth right out of the gate, end up having uh, you know to call the mercy rule late. There was not That was not a predetermined deal. We needed to play, but I think we'd gone through so many arms. They had two. It was kind of a gentleman's agreement, hey, let's just go ahead and call the ball game. We had no warning in the box. But Brandon Smith gets a start. And uh, I've told you guys before, I'm a Brandon Smith fan. And he said some things in postgame, too, that uh, I think are very important. This is a guy that can consistently pump his fastball in there, but there are times he gets too much to plate. When he stays on the edges, he's tough to hit. We got a 6-0 lead last night, and he kind of, you know, got a little bit loose and fast with a couple pitches. One of them, he says, was a good pitch. The guy just did a great job on it. But he gave up a couple tanks last night. But, you know, with a 6 nothing lead, I don't want to go up there nibbling, go out there and throw strikes. You know, Brandon, Brandon's not a guy that walks people. Those are one of the things, too, that I, I go back to. We, we talk about all the issues that we've had this year, you know, with pitching. Let's just look at the numbers real quick here for Brandon Smith because I don't know if you've paid attention. It kind of sneaks up on you a little bit if you're not careful. You know, we talk about, you know, Mississippi State as a staff has has walked a ton of hitters. Uh, 339 walkouts, excuse me, strikeouts this year against 131 walks. That's a lot of walks. a lot of strikeouts, too. That's a lot of walks. Brandon Smith has walked two hitters this year. Two. Two. Struck out 29, walked two. Guys, Andrew Walling has one appearance, and he's walked more than Brandon Smith. Brandon's appeared in a dozen games. He has two walks. The only guy that's got less walks is pitched for Mississippi State this year is Lane Forsyth, who pitched one inning, one half of an inning. So Brandon Smith, while he may get hit around the yard every once in a while, Brandon Smith's not going to give free passes. He's just not. So, you know, maybe that's, uh, you know, a sign of some good things to come. But, uh, you know, Brandon goes out, does a nice job for us. Let's get into the play-by-play here. All right, so with the uh, very first pitch, Will Smith slaps one to right. That, that, that joke was kind of making the rounds on uh, on social media. You guys are so clever. Not really. That's a little hanging fruit. But nevertheless, still gives us a little bit of a chuckle. And then we get three Ks in a row. You get Kolomovic Col- swinging, Harford swinging, and LaFollette looking. So, yes, the leadoff single which has kind of been an issue for us too, allowing the leadoff guy to get on. But Brandon bears down one of the the better outings of the year for him. And that's even with the two tanks. I I like guys that pound the zone and don't give you much. He does a good job there. Bottom of one, state goes right to work. And we showed some aggressiveness here right out of the chute that I thought paid dividends for us. Uh, Drew McGowan leading off and playing center again. And – you know, really good defender, struggles at times to get the ball out of the infield. You know, that's the thing. If he's going to play more, we're going we're to have to have more on the offensive side. Because if, 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 if we're going to trade some defense for some offense, we've got to get some offense out of the deal. Uh, McGowan, of course, grounds out to set the shortstop. And then Cam James singles to left, really, really turned it over, too. And then still second and still third. Not very often we steal two bags with one player in the same half inning, but we did here. And then Luke Hancock, homers to right field. And, man, how exciting is it to get Luke Hancock going? You know, that's been the thing. I think everybody's like, well, you know, we just got to be patient with Luke. We've got to be patient. And of course, some people want to move him up and down the order. I think when you've got a professional-grade hitter like Luke Hancock, you just let Luke work it out. You know, you do some fine-tuning. And I asked him last night, I said, you know, because I noticed early in the year he was dipping a little bit you kind of changing the trajectory of the swing. You know, we got all this technology out here to kind of evaluate swings, got track man, all that kind of stuff. But he says that Jake Otro looked at him and said, hey, uh, you need to keep your hands higher. That's what happens. You, you, know, you dip your hands, next thing you know, the trajectory of the ball uh, is headed upwards. And so we had a lot of pop-ups. We weren't getting line drives. Now all of a sudden we fine-tuned some mechanics and we got the hammer out there throwing haymakers. So a nice two-run bomb to get things going. LT flies out to left. And then Hunter Hines with another home run. And uh, I guess it was Boyd on the uh, Facebook groups. Boyd made a comment. He goes, that guy never gets a cheap one. And he is absolutely right about that. When Hunter Hines hits a home run, you know, the, the traffic out there behind the stadium better be wary. Because when he hits the baseball over the fence, that thing carries. He gets his money's worth every single time. All right, and then uh, Kellen Clark singles to the right side. They pick him off at first. I thought at first blush that he was safe. They review it, and they do uphold the call. But State with a 3-0 lead right at the gate, and he kind of felt like it was going to be that sort of night. Top of second, Brandon back to work. We get a strikeout looking at Whitley, and then Beeman gets a single to third base. Just, it was one of those things, just kind of a slow roller out there. just wasn't a play to be made. Marithew flies out to left, and then self-singles to the left side. So we've got our first real threat of the ball game, And Brandon responds with a strikeout-looking of half-acre. So, again, they get a couple guys on, two base hits in the inning, get nothing to show for it. So, again, traffic on the base is the first two innings for, for Tennessee Martin, but we make the pitches to get out of it. We'd like to have some cleaner innings, to say the least. Uh, but it's good to know we can get a punch-up when we need one. And it's good, too, to, to know that Brandon Smith's not going to add to the drama. All of a sudden, we get hit, and we, we lose focus and walk the next guy. So, now we've basically turned you know a one-base runner inning into a two-base runner inning uh, due to our own you know inability to throw strikes. All right, bottom of second, State goes right back to work. Cumbus, who was at the plate when Kellum Clark got picked off, he ribs a ball through the left side, and I really thought Brad – looked like the Brad that we saw earlier in this year last night. I thought it was one of his better nights at the plate. Jaeger is hit by the pitch. They got him pretty good too. I mean it wasn't one of these cheap ones. They got him. And then lag lays down a bunt. Now I'm I'm gonna take some credit for some of this scoring here. Initially they just called it an E1. It was not an E one. Now, it was a hit and an error because Legg was beating that thing out. He was beating it out. And so they go back later and they change the scoring because initially they weren't going to give him a single or a sacrifice. So he gets nothing out of it. He does his job, and then the pitcher throws it away, so why should the hitter be punished? So they go back, they adjust the scoring, leg it credited with a bunt single, which is the right call. Then there is a throwing error on the pitcher that allows the runners to advance. So, a run scores in that exchange. It is four nothing. Uh Drew McGowan, uh, needles one up here. It bounces off the pitcher uh, for a single. But um, hit that baseball really hard. I don't know that it got would have gotten through the middle infield, I think probably. But it goes off the pitcher, and uh, now everything continues to go here. Everything continues to go. Now, all of a sudden, bases are loaded. Cam James comes up. Would love to have gotten a big swing here. Uh, we didn't. He actually goes the other way with it, and it is a RBI sack fly to to, uh, to plate Yeager makes it 5-0. Drew then still second. Hancock walks. We're loaded again. Um, or maybe not. Now Yeager's runner's first and second. And Tanner flies out to right field. And yeah, leg score. Yeah, we're basically loaded. Leg scores. Sometimes I can't read my own notes. So now it's a 6-0 ball game, and then Hunter Hines strikes out swinging But through two innings, there was really no doubt about how this thing was going to turn out. All right, so top of third. And again, traffic on the bases. This time, though, they're they're able to kind of walk around the bases. We get Will Smith to ground out the short, and then Kolomovic homers to right center, and then Harford homers to center field. And Drew McGowan nearly pulls this thing back in the yards. the ball actually hit his glove. I think the impact with the wall caused him to lose the glove, but it was a great effort there. You know, an absolute outstanding effort there. So now it's a 6-2 ball game, and rather than panic, we go out there and roll up a ground ball, and we get a strikeout swinging right out of the inning, 6-2. And in case anybody thought this game was going to tighten up, the Bulldogs removed all doubt there in the third. Kellum Clark hits the first pitch that he sees nearly to the batter's eye in center field. It, it was out of there uh, quite substantially. It wasn't you know, I, th- I think the farthest home run that I've seen hit in the new stadium is the one Josh Hatcher hit uh, back in the regionals back in uh, 2019, the ball that hit about halfway up the batter's eye out there. I thought this one might do that one too. I guess as the temperatures rise, maybe there's a chance that Kellum does that. But uh, a nice tank for him. Compass then follows with a double to right field, and that ball was smoked too. Yeager flies out to right. Leggett gets in on the party pulls one down the left field line, great deal. McGowan then grounds out the second. Cam walks, and then steals second. Hancock singles back up the middle. Cam comes around to score. And, again, that's just manufacturing runs right there. It's like, okay, we've got, we've had a couple of homers, but just when you think, okay, they're so reliant on the big fly, we get a walk, we steal the bag, and then we get a single back out the middle of the plate to run. That's the thing. When, it's all, when you get all the horses pulling, this can be a very potent offense. And then uh, LT flies out down the right field line there. Gave it a pretty good ride there. But it is now a 10-2 ball game for Mississippi State. Top of four, we do get a clean inning for the first time of the night. One, two, three. Beeman flies out the center. Merrithee grounds out the second. Self strikes out swinging. Bottom of four, they make another pitching change and bring in Petrie instead of Hobson's. And then, uh, you know, we still put a run up. But uh, it was one of those two-out deals where somebody just runs into one, of course. Hines grounds out to second. Clark flies out to left. And Kellum is beginning to show some power to the left side. You know, he's got that one-up Apo Taco earlier in the year. I don't know if it's just something where maybe he's changing point of contact a little bit. Maybe he's looking to drag his hands and take that ball the other way. I've noticed that he has rifled some balls out towards left field. Just something to kind of watch as the season moves along. And then Brad... 112 miles an hour off the bat he put a dent in somebody's rig out there in left field lounge so when you get there this weekend and all of a sudden you see a you know a baseball imprinted scar in your rig out there you'll know that brad Cumbus was responsible and then jaeger pops up to first base the inning's over it's 11 of two though all right top of five uh, mikey tepper comes in and one of his first appearances uh, since he's had you know been kind of up and down you know it Mikey is a guy that's got electric stuff. And last night, and I think Chris Simone said it best, a lot of times he's a thrower. Last night he was a pitcher. Worked in the change, had the breaking ball working. This bullpen, all of a sudden, we're starting to get a, maybe a little bit more encouraged when you see Brandon Smith go out and perform this way, when you see Casey Hunt come back and you see what Jackson Fristow did. and all of a sudden you start thinking, maybe, you know, maybe this could be better than we thought. It's a work in progress. Mikey Tepper, I don't know that you could have a better inning than he had this half inning. He gets half acre to strike out swinging on four pitches. He gets Smith to strike out swinging on three pitches. And gets, I'm going to say it again, Kalimovic to strike out swinging on four pitches. And a couple of those uh, those balls in the inning, and there were only two of those balls in the inning were waste pitches to try to get a guy to chase. Outstanding half inning for Mikey Tupper. Bottom of five, they finally keep us off the board. And we start substituting pretty liberally here. Uh, leg pops up to second. Skinner then grounds out to the pitcher. And then Slade offered grounds out to second base. But, you know, again, we're trying to get some A-Bs for some guys. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. All right, top of six, all those guys that pinch hit stayed in the ballgame. And there's a stretch here we end up having five straight pinch hitters. But um, top of six, Tepper back out on the mound, gives up a single through the right side, and then rolls up the double play ball. And this was, this was an outstanding play by Tanner if you can, The clip is out there on Hell State Baseball on Twitter. So, Legg is playing shortstop. Shaded a little bit towards the middle. The ball is hit toward the second base side of the bag. Leg gets it and then makes a step and pushes off the bag to get the double play. A very savvy, mature play, but an incredibly athletic play. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think last year he makes that play. I think last year we just go ahead and we just take the play at first or we make the stomp at second. But instead... Great footwork, great athleticism. You turn to double play, and and it's impressive. It is absolutely impressive because when he fields that ball, he's actually going away from the back. Really, really good effort. And then uh, we walk Whitley, one of the only blemishes that I would say, in Mikey Tepper's uh, outing, and then we get a strikeout swinging and keep him off the board. You know, you'd like to not have the – you know the, the the two out walk there, especially after you get a great play by the defense. But you know what? It's a clean it's a clean inning, and that's what we're going to be excited about. All right, bottom of six. They make another pitching change, and Luke Hancock says, "Welcome to the show," with another. And, th- and I thought this one left the stadium. I had to go back and see the replay. I mean, it's an absolute tank. Second home run of the game, fourth in three games for Luke Hancock. You think he's woke up? Yeah, he is. Hancock home and and. As I pointed out yesterday, these are meaningful home runs, too. I mean, like this one is in, in garbage time. But look at what he did this past weekend at Arkansas. You know, the game is on the line. That didn't mop up time, you know, jacks hitting off some, you know, walk-on pitcher. And it's the same thing here. You know, first inning, he opens up the game with a two-run bomb off the starter. And granted, I know it's midweek pitching, but, my, but you understand my point. If The 9-out-30 is throwing BP. This one's a little different, though. Look absolutely rifles this one. Lt strikes out swinging, and then here we start putting all these pinch hitters in. Von Siebert comes into the game, grounds out on a changeup to first. Quarter comes in to pitch hit for Kellum Clark, and he walks on four pitches. That's one thing I'll say about Quarter. You don't see a lot of bad swings from him, and I mentioned that in a discussion we're having on Gene's page right now too about who should be your center fielder. Quarter is a guy that you don't see him taking a lot of wild swings. He's got pretty good pitch recognition. Speaking of Jess Davis, he pinch hits and then singles through the left side. Puts quarter over to second. Mesh then walks, who would come in to play second, and uh, to load the bases. And then Forsythe's going to hit for leg, and we have a little craziness here. The wild pitch gets loose, and the run scores, and then Davis gets too far around third, and they get him hemmed up in a rundown to get him out. And I said it then, like Davis goes up, gets a hit, and then we do something silly like this. I mean, it's like if you want to go win the job, these are the kind of things you got to eliminate. Now I understand we're trying to go make a play, but it's a 13 to two ball game. There's just no, there's no point in being that aggressive coming around third. It's just the reality of life. All right, but nevertheless, it's 13 to two now, and our, our poor guy Forsythe, who is hitting over 400 in SEC play, didn't get a chance to swing. All right, top of seven, and, of course, uh, you know, we've emptied the bench here, and it's a 1-2-3 inning. Casey Hunt comes in. That's his third appearance of the last uh, week. You know, he pitched an inning against Memphis, and then he pitched some against Arkansas, and then he pitched here. And, again, you know, he's pitching. These are low-stress innings, You're just trying to get him going. But it's a 1-2-3 inning. It gets married through to fly out to center field, self-strikes out, swinging, and half-acre grounds out in a second. Ball game's over. So, there you go. Impressive, efficient night for the Bulldogs. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Catherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health. Their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out. And make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tacovus want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Takovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Takovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovus has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop in new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, they offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's run through some numbers right here before we move on uh, from this game. And we, Again, there's a lot more baseball to come in, in this show. A lot more baseball to come. I got some things I'm going to roll, roll out for you guys. I don't know that maybe you, you're aware of. All right, so you're hitting hitters. I mean, you're hitting. You're hitting heroes from Mississippi State. Uh, Luke Hancock, three for three with four RBIs and a couple dingers. That'll get it done. Cam James, one for one with a walk, two runs scored. Uh, Drew McGowan had a hit last night, too. Luke, would mentioned Luke Hancock. Hunter Hines, one for three with a tank. Kellum Clark, two for three. And, of course, the one out he had was still a pretty loud one. Uh, Brad Compass, three for three last night. As a team, we're 14 of 28. That'll help a team batting average go out there and go 500. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Tanner Luggett who was two for three, two runs scored and two RBIs. So, again, a nice, efficient night at the plate. State only struck out twice. And that, and that was Logan and, and Hunter Hines, one apiece. I and mean, that's a pretty good effort there. And you only live three on base. Two of those, of course, out in the uh, wild pitch there. Where we get a little bit aggressive there. Maybe that's correct. But, uh, you know, pretty good effort for Mississippi State. And let's look at the pitching numbers. We mentioned Brandon Smith. He advances the record of two and one. He works four innings, gives up five hits, uh, two runs, two earned runs, uh, seven strikeouts, no walks, of course, uh, 56 pitches, pretty efficient, so he could probably give you an inning or two this weekend if necessary. You know, but Brandon is a guy, too, that uh, you know, we talk about, well, you know, he gets hit a little bit. I, I would rather that guy give up a handful of singles and a handful of walks because you can't defend the walk. You go up there and you pound the strike zone, you put the ball in play, you got seven guys behind you with gloves on to have a chance to go catch a baseball. You don't even give yourself a chance when you're walking people and hitting people. And so I know that Brandon Smith at times gets barreled up a little bit. I know, and he knows, and he's taking steps to correct that. But I would venture to say that the team enjoys playing defense behind Brandon Smith because Brandon Smith's going to bring action. Brandon Smith's going to pound the strike zone. Brandon Smith's going to get balls hit uh, back to the defense. He's not going to sit there and beat himself. Three ground outs, two fly outs last night, too. I mean, so, I mean, you know, again, you're making plays here. And when Brandon's on his game, do that sink and fastball that he throws, he's going to get a ton of ground balls. And sometimes they're going to get through. But I, I am a Brandon Smith fan. Absolutely Brandon Smith fan. I love his, his approach. And he had he's an older guy, and he kind of has that we're Mississippi State mentality not a mississippi state sense of entitlement i think he realizes that uh, it is an honor and a privilege to wear the m over s and obviously he was part of a team that did some incredible things but it means something to him the name on the front of that jersey means something to him mikey tepper two innings pitch allowed the one hit one walk four k's again thinking about what we're working back from you know he had a couple of really really shaky outings and all of a sudden we kind of get him going. This is a guy that can throw 97 and then throw a changeup in there for about 82, make you look kind of silly. And then K C Hunt, a clean inning for him. One inning pitch, no hits, no runs, no walks, 1K. And 11 pitches. So, got he's good to go too. But, again, you know, we expect to win these games in kind of lopsided manner. And I don't know, earlier this year maybe we wouldn't have. I think we're finally kind of getting a sense of ourselves. I think we're kind of beginning to run understand what's in front of us. It takes a little while. It's the money year for a lot of guys, and we're pressing too hard early in the year. We're trying to go out and repeat and think we can win an AFL championship in one swing. I think maybe now we've kind of figured it out. We'll see. We'll see this weekend. Brad Combs with a double last night. Home runs, too. Six for the Bulldogs. Luke with two. Hunter Hines with one. Kellum Clark with one. Brad Combs with one. And then Tanner Leggett with one. Let's look at some uh, some numbers here real quick, too. Not just from the game, but again, the home run race is rather intriguing. So, Mississippi State now has a team hitting 270. Last night certainly helped a little bit, but 270 is a team. Opponents hitting 242. Let's look at these home run numbers, though. Brad Combust has eight, and he is second on the team. Kelton Clark has nine. Hunter Hines has nine. The young guys kind of carrying the load there a little bit. Uh, R.J. Yeager now with seven. You know, last year we had five double-digit home run guys, and we hit 75 home runs, which is my I've not – memory doesn't fail me. That's one of the top five home run hitting seasons in Mississippi State baseball history. One of the top five of all time. And uh, as a team, we're getting it done. Was it 54 now? 54 home runs, is that right? Yeah, so – I didn't add it up here, but that's what it totals out to be here. But, um, you know, we talked about having five double digit home run guys. I, I, I said earlier in the year we were going to have more than that. I think it could be maybe seven. I think Cam James is going to get it going. I know his home run numbers are not where we want him to be, but he's hitting 308 right now. And uh, he and I talked some last night, 308, leading the team, by the way. Uh, 308, and he saw a shift against Arkansas. Like everybody thinks he's a Deadpool hitter. And that's not really who he is. He can spray the ball around a little bit. And so I think as he takes what people give him, he'll hit them out of that shift. I don't know that everybody else plays a shift against him. Arkansas did. And he had a difficult weekend. He's got three dingers right now. And people say, oh, Steve, with the RBI numbers are down. Well, the guys in front of him have got to get on base. Brad Cumbus, his average back up at 306, second on the team. Eight dingers. But uh, if I had to call it today, I think you know, Cam's got to pick up the pace a little bit. we got a lot of baseball left, and, and temperatures are going to warm up. And, you know, you hit a long fly ball to left field at Duty Noble, it usually gets out. But I think Cam will get there. He's got three. I, I, and that's the thing about power numbers, too. It's like once you get going, it's like they seem to come in clusters. But Brad's got eight. He'll be a double-digit guy. Logan Tanner's got six. He'll be a double-digit guy. Kelton Clark's got nine. He'll be a double-digit guy. RJ with seven. He'll be double-digits. Hunter Hines with nine. He'll be double digits. Luke Hancock's got six, and uh, now all of a sudden he's erupted. He'll be a double-digit guy. So you start thinking about power numbers, and we're going to have more home runs as a team than we had last year. We're going to have more guys, too, that can go deep. We talked about that in the preseason. This is a team that's going to be more offensive. And there are times it's very frustrating because we don't live up to our potential. But we're now 18-12. 18-12, and and, – You know, it's like we look at our conference record and say, well, you know, Steve, it's four and five. You know, I'm going to share some things with you a little bit later. This thing in the SEC is absolutely wide open. It is, with the exception of Tennessee. This thing is absolutely wide open, and they come to town too. So we'll see what happens with all that. I mean, you, you start thinking about that series, you think, man, if you can find a way to win that when you talk about an RPI boost. But we're getting there. We're getting there. We're improving. We're improving, and that's the main thing. You want to keep getting better. We are getting better. There are a lot of people that gave up on this team. Here's what i say. If you want to give up on this team, fine, give up. Stop. But if you're going to give up, give up completely. You understand what I'm saying? You can't give up on the season and then ruin it for everybody else on the message boards and Facebook and Twitter. If you give up, you give up. Give up and go away for a while, and we'll see you next year. I'm not giving up on this season. I'm not giving up on this team. And I don't think you should either. The nucleus of this team is very, very strong. Have we had some selfish play early in the year? Yeah, probably so. We've had some selfish swings, guys trying to do too much, trying to hit a five-run homer. Now, all of a sudden, though, now it seems like we're starting to kind of find a sense of ourselves offensively, and people are so worried about the lineup. Listen, if we've got to play 12 guys in a weekend in our nine position spots to, number one, keep everybody happy, but more importantly, win ballgames, then that's what we got to do. you got to play the matchups. Just Davis. Is your best defender in the outfield, period. But he is a liability against left-handed pitching, so he he can't play against left-handed pitching. It's too important for us to win, so you got to put you know, Matt Quarter in there at times. You know, Drew McGowan's a guy too that uh, has really struggled, you know, at the plate at times. But again, he's a plus defender. Yeah, and I've read these, these conversations sometimes, and I I, I think maybe perhaps it, sometimes we watch different stuff, but you know. Drew McGowan's got four hits this year and 17 at-bats. Now, he had some clutch early in the year. You remember when he went in for Kellum Clark when Kellum was struggling? He had a couple big hits against Long Beach State. But since the Long Beach State, that th- the first weekend of the season, you know, we played Long Beach and we played Pine Bluff. Drew got his first hit since then last night, and that was off the pitcher. And so those are decisions you have to make. You know, Jess Davis is a guy that's hitting 293. And he, and I still think he's the best defensive player out there. But you can't just give up on Drew McGowan. You know, uh, some people say, well, you just, we need to pick nine and stick with it. I, I just don't think that's how baseball works. It had been my experience as a player or as a coach. You, you pick nine and stick with it, then your dugout quits on you. You got to find a way to get those guys some reps, and that includes Matt Quarter, who has great power. You know, and that's the thing too. We knew that the competition was going to be with the position players this year. And yeah, when I look at these guys, you know, it's like you know we were hoping Braylon Skinner would take it. Bray's you know really struggled at the plate, hitting 118, which is lowest on the team, and you hate it because you like him so much. You only got 17 at bats on the season. You know, he and Drew have the same number of at-bats. Uh, Drew's got four hits. Bray's got two. You know, Matt Quarter is hitting a buck 67. Now, he's the guy coming in from JUCO. You know, so it's almost like you begin to look at that and say, okay, well, I, I wouldn't expect him to perform at the level of guys that are returning that have seen the SEC pitching before. But yet, here he is. You know, he's not hitting, you know, over 200, but uh, he's had a uh, pretty, good, pretty good couple of bats here as of late. He's hitting a buck 67, uh, you know, and that's, you know, six hits and 36 at-bats. He has a one home run there. But, uh, you know, he's a guy, too, that I, I think has the ability to run into one. But, you know, to me, and, again, the obvious choice when they're throwing a right-hander is Jess Davis. There's no question that Jess Davis, to me, uh, deserves to be there. Jess Davis two, hitting 293 now. He started nine games this year, 41 at-bats, eight runs, 12 hits, five doubles, five RBIs. To me, it's a no-brainer. And if they're throwing a left-hander, it's a different deal. Maybe you put, you know, quarter in then. And maybe you work in McGowan as a defensive replacement for somebody else later in ballgames. But it's good to have options. What I think, and I think, and I said this on the Gene Spage boards, it's not indecisiveness by the staff that is the issue. It's the fact that nobody has taken these jobs and just run away with them and taken ownership of them. I would not want to play as a player with a by-committee approach. And so I would do what I had to do to win the job. I would do what I had to do to get some separation. And that means when I do get out, i got to have productive at-bats, not overrunning third base and getting picked off. I mean, there are little things like that. It's like when you're in a competition, you want to be aggressive, and you're okay making a mistake in the name of aggression, but at the same time, too – you discretion's a better part of valor. I can't do things to hurt the team. And every one of these guys that are locked up in a position battle, 30 games into the season, have done things to hurt the team. And so you just need somebody to go run it. And I and I hear the commentary, and people say, "Oh, we just got to stick, pick a guy, and go with it." Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You need to keep guys competing until somebody takes ownership of the job. That's how winning baseball works. Okay. Well, let me. Okay. So I've got two 200 hitters that are both. You know, similarly situated when it comes to def- defense. So how do you break the tie? I'm just going to go pick a guy and say, okay, well it's it's you, and then you the other guy. Listen, this guy's no better than you, but you're going to sit. Now, that's not how managing a club works. That's not how managing a dugout works. That's not how managing a roster works. It's not that simple. To sit in the big leagues, where everybody's getting paid. It's not that simple. You got to go out there and play winning baseball, and sometimes that means you know what. You know, Leg starts this day. Forsyth starts this day. I mean, you look at their offensive numbers. Forsyth is hitting 214. Uh, Tanner Leggett now hitting 219. So we're talking five points difference there. You look at their fielding percentage. You know, actually, uh, you know, Forsythe has had one error this year in 40, uh, in 40 assists. 981. Tanner Leggett, 930. So that was one of the discussions we've talked about, too. It's like, well, hey. You know, they're comparable defenders. Well, you know, you've had a lot of opportunities for everybody, but, um, you know, legs made a couple more errors. And so there just isn't separation between those two. You know, I, I still think Lane's a little bit better defender, and, that, and that's a real compliment considering how well Tanner Leggett has played defensively this year. He had two errors in one ball game the other day, and, he, and two of his errors are balls he never should have thrown. He's just trying to make a play. He makes a big stop. He's trying to make a play. He threw a couple balls away. Sometimes you got to know when to eat it. But as far as, like, glove work and getting to the balls and being able to round things off, I think Lane has made Tanner better. I think the competition's made him better. But it's not as simple as, okay, let's just pick a guy and run with it. No. I don't think so that's the case at all. I think, I think what we're doing now is fine. I'm more frustrated about center field than I am shortstop because we're getting good play at shortstop, and occasionally we get a big hit out of shortstop. I'm okay trading a little, little offense for defense at short. The center field thing is what drives me crazy. Now, you've had basically four different guys out there that are competing for that spot, and nobody will take it and run with it. it Making sense to me. Somebody's got to step up and be the guy. You know, last year we had a revolving door at left field. People forget that. You know, we had a revolving door at left field, and then later in the year we just decided to go with Brad Combust. It'll be a similar situation this year, which reminds me, too, uh, and I'm gonna, we're going to move on from this game. But uh, there, I had a discussion with an Arkansas fan over the weekend talking about, oh, they had the better season. I'm like, well, you know, no, we won an NFL championship. Yeah, but we, we won every series. That's great. Because here's the deal, guys. We play the regular season to seed the tournament. We have a tournament at the end of the year. And the regular season is played to seed the tournament. Not everybody gets in, some do, some host, some travel, but we play the regular season to fill out our tournament bracket. And then from there, we crown a champion based on who wins said tournament bracket, and that was us. So what somebody's opinion is, doesn't really matter. It's like, oh, well, I think that doesn't matter what you think, It doesn't matter at all. Well, if I was doing it, but you're not doing it, this is the rules we all agreed to at the beginning of the year, and I know you're a little sour in the mouth because you lost to NC State at home because all you had was Kevin Copps last year, right? But you'll cry me a river. Our 89 team was, was one of the greatest teams in college baseball history. We got upset in the regional. Just a little aside there. Let's move on from that. Time to get into the top 10 list. I guess before we do, I've got to award the prime strength player of the game. And that's a good question. And I think it's, it could be a number of guys, but I'm going to go. With Luke Hancock, you don't hit two dingers and uh, not get named the prime shrimp player of the game. And it's good to see the hammer get going here. If you guys are are unfamiliar, let me share with you prime shrimp. man. And and what's what's cool about that, too, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, that uh, now there are four flavors. The newest one, garlic herb butter. That's right. So you've got the Louisiana Shrimp Bowl. You've got Simply Seasoned. You've got the French Quarter Alfredo. And now, garlic herb butter. I haven't tried that one yet. I'm eager to do it. And I've had so many people that have said, Steve, I, I, I had it for lunch. I had it for dinner. It's fantastic. I, listen, guys, I wouldn't partner with people that would do a bad job for you. Visit Primeshrimp.com today and use promo code BONDYARD to save yourself a little money. We're always in the business of doing that for you guys because you, spend, you, you appreciate the show. I'm going to show my appreciation back by setting up some deals. Number one, to get you some good product at a good price. So you're going to save some money by being a Boneyard Boneyard listener. Prime Shrimp has been in business since the 1940s, a South Louisiana company. They know good shrimp when they see it. They live around them. Of course they would know. Always a money-back guarantee. All orders over four pounds shipped for free. Always exciting new products from New Orleans-based, primeshrimp.com. Again, primeshrimp.com, promo code Boneyard. All right, time for today's top ten list. So I had uh, people reach out, say, Steve, what about this, what about that? You guys are digging the album stuff, for sure. I've had a lot of people come in here and said, hey, Steve, really like this, didn't know this. I've rediscovered this band and listened to this album. So uh, I'm excited about that. But I had a couple messages recently. One person said that didn't know that I had done Tesla, and we have done Tesla. But I said, you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to do a Tesla album. That uh, list that I think will be outstanding. I love Tesla. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. I don't think there's any question. And the thing that I love about Tesla is that they're not an 80s hair band, they're an 80s rock band. You know, people would say trying to lump Tesla in unfairly with uh, hair metal just because they were from uh, California. They weren't part of the Hollywood scene, they were completely different. And one of the reasons that I think that their music still holds up today is because they were a rock and roll band. And they're still a rock and roll band. As a matter of fact, um, their latest album, Shock, is available on Apple Music and Spotify. And I think it is actually one of the better albums they've had in the last 10 to 15 years. So we're doing Tesla's albums today. Now, I had to get a little bit creative because of the fact that uh, Tesla has eight studio albums but you, one of your favorite Tesla albums made the list. And I also broke the rules too because I wanted to get a cover song on the list because their version of the, of the cover of the, is better than the original. So here we go. Uh, number 10, the album Twisted Wires. It is mostly a, an acoustic live type album, but they have three original tracks that are previously unreleased on this album. My favorite one among that group, among that trio is better off without you. I think you'll dig it. I think Twisted Wires, too, is an album that many people maybe are, are somewhat unfamiliar with, but they take some of their old classics and they um, and they move some things around and kind of change some arrangements. And, um, you know, it's, it's worth your time and effort, especially like if you're traveling, you're just trying to find something to listen to. And you say, hey, I, I want to check out this. But, uh, you know, looking at Twisted Wires, it's Twisted Wires and the Acoustic Sessions. But uh, they have Hang Tough on there from The Great Radio Controversy, and they have a couple songs off Psychotic Supper and Mechanical Resonance. So they take some of their greatest hits, including Song and Emotion, and then they perform them. And then, of course, there is the, uh, there are three, three songs on this album that are uh, previously unreleased. And again, Better Off Without You is the one, number 10 on your list today. All right, the album Simplicity, this is one of those ones, too, where Yeah, the band was a little bit in transition. You know, Tommy Skiich had left the band. And uh, this is one of those albums, too, that I think is a little bit disjointed. And I say that with as much love in my heart as I possibly can. Uh, I just didn't think that it was quite as good um, as the original stuff. You know, um, Jeff Keith, of course, joins. You know, he's got to go out there and find some other guys to kind of help out a little bit. You know, Troy Lucata had been out of the band for a little while. So you have a different drummer, you have Dave Root, of course, it takes Tommy spot, and so it's just a different, it's a different deal. Um, you know, with this album, if I can't call it up here. There, there's so much stuff, stuff on my computer right now, sometimes I can't get it together. Um, but nevertheless, MP3 is the song here. I just felt it is a good album. I don't think it is a great album, but I think MP3 is a killer track. Uh, there's some other stuff on this album, too, that... Um, I guess Troy was on this album, as a matter of fact. Troy Lucetta was on the album. Dave Root, of course, was too. He'd replaced Tommy. But, uh, but MP3, to me, is the kind of the shiny moment. There are a couple songs on here, too, that um, you know are a little bit, of, little bit contrived, I guess you could say. But uh, I really like MP3. I think you will, too. Number eight, an album that um, may be underappreciated. They were with a new label then. I don't think the production value of the album is maybe what it has been in the past. And you would think in today's technology era that you know they would get better and better. I, I think the album has kind of an airy sound to it. You know, it, it doesn't sound quite so drilled down. Uh, there are some great tracks on this album. Forevermore is really good. Falling Apart is incredible, Breaking Free is another one. But I decided to go with just in case. I love the song just in case. And basically it's about a guy that um, you know it's just in case I don't make it to heaven. You know, here's the things that I want to say and the messages that I want to share. And, um, of course, you can know, but uh, I think it's a very interesting premise to a song. And then right after that, it's falling apart. And so you kind of get a twofer there. But Just In Case is your number eight song today, Forevermore is your number eight album. And Just In Case, the song off that album. Number seven, Into the Now. And this is kind of when Tesla had kind of uh, reunited and there was like the big comeback here a little different deal coming through. I, I felt like this was kind of like the last hurrah of the original Tesla group. Of course, Tommy leaves the band after this. But again, some shiny moments on here. There is a Heaven 9-11, which is a song that is written kind of in tribute to 9-11. And then Into the Now was like the lead single off this album. And uh, it was very reminiscent of the older Tesla catalog. Absolutely outstanding. Words Can't Explains, another really good track. But uh, the one we're going to go with for our list is Caught in a Dream, which is a great traditional Tesla ballad. If I can talk today. But Caught in a Dream off of the Into the Now album that I feel is the number seven album uh, for the, the Tesla catalog. Number six, I mentioned it earlier, it's the album Shock. came out in 2019, the first Tesla album since 2014. And that's the thing, too. Uh, simplicity, again, we're, we're kind of getting back to doing a lot of stuff, but, um, you know, for a while there, after end of the Now, Tesla reeled off a couple of albums that were covers, basically, reel-to-reel Reel and reel-to-reel Reel volume two. Then they recorded Forevermore, and then there's a Twisted Wires thing, and then Simplicity, but it's like, you know, Shock is the first full-length studio album they have had in a long time. I really dig the album. I absolutely love it. And um, basically, you know, Troy's back in the band uh, for a while, and then, uh, you know, then, then he's, uh, I guess he's retired officially now. Phil Collin from Def Leppard produced the album. There's a lot of high moments on this album. Taste Like is really good. Uh, Forever Loving You is great. California Summer Song is a really, really fun song. The Mission is really kind of in your face. But we went with Tied to the Tracks today. Tied to the Tracks. It's a, very much a bluesy in-your-face type track. I think you'll dig that one a lot. Tied to the tracks off the Shock album. And if you're a longtime castle fan, you're unfamiliar with the album, you owe it to yourself uh, to listen. So now we get into the top five albums. And uh, I think everybody would agree these are the top five. They may disagree on the order. They would be wrong. This is the correct order. This is it. I know you may feel otherwise, but uh, I'm happy to die on this hill. I feel like that I'm probably the biggest tesla fan in the state of mississippi all right so number five for me is the album bust a nut and here is the thing that i will share with you guys too about the first five tesla albums you can just push play and let them go there's not a weak song on any of these top five i I think you had to get into into the now before things were a little bit shaky i think every song of the first five albums is a winner including this Bust a Nut album. It did not sell as well as some of its others. Um, but it is a fabulous album. And I think it also is the home to one of the most underappreciated album songs, excuse me, in the Tesla catalog. I think that one of Tesla's greatest songs is on this album. Now, I can run through this whole thing with you and tell you how great it is. I think Try So Hard is one of those songs that uh, probably should have been a bigger hit. Need Your Lovin' was a bit of a hit. It was an MTV thing. Mama's Fool was a lead singer. It was great. A Lot to Lose is uh, a great, 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 great ballad. And games people play, cover of the old Joe South song. Tremendous. But for us, we're going with Shine Away. Shine Away, which was absolutely incredible. I absolutely love that song. I think it is probably one of the top three or four Tesla songs of all time. Never releases a single. It's kind of a cult following. Uh, Number four, Psychotic Supper. A lot of people were were curious about Psychotic Supper because, you know, Tesla hit the ground running with his first first album, Mechanical Resonance, and people were like, holy smokes, who are these guys? Well, surely they'll slump with the sophomore album, and no, they didn't. They put together their best album for a second album and then psychotic supper comes and people you're like oh what should we expect i think tesla showed they had some staying power here pretty awesome and again so many great th- songs on this album too i could run it down for you i'm not going to but uh you know stir it up i think is a great little ballad song and emotion of course written about uh dave clark from def leppard about his uh you know plight with alcoholism um You Call It What You Want is another great song. And Edison's Medicine was the lead single on this, and it is absolutely phenomenal. The guitar on that is incredible. But the song for our list is What You Give, number four from Psychotic Supper, What You Give, one of the greatest love songs of my lifetime. I absolutely love that song. I actually sung that song before. How about that? All right, so... Number three, and this is where we had to get a little bit creative because we couldn't put a Tesla album list together without including Five Man Acoustical Jam. Now, it is a live album, and it is largely covers and then kind of reworks of their own stuff. The big single, of course, is Signs, which is a cover originally recorded by the Five Man Electrical Band, but Tesla had a huge hit with it, and everything changed for Tesla when this acoustical album came out there. I mean, it's like... They kind of ushered in the unplugged stuff. People say, well, Steve, no, yes. All of a sudden, everybody's loving all this stuff, and then it exploded. Everybody started unplugging. Everybody started doing all this other stuff. But Tesla was incredible, absolutely incredible. And it, it took them from being kind of opening acts to making them headliners. Tesla absolutely exploded after the five-man acoustical jam. That, that, and they sold a ton of records. I mean, a ton of records with five-man acoustical jam. Probably not what um, people expected. They just went and plugged in there and played an album and next thing you know, they're superstars. Alright, number two, and this is where the controversy comes in, right? No pun intended. What's the best Tesla album? Many of you would say Mechanical Resonance. But... I would disagree. I've got mechanical resonance at number two. Now, again, this is one of those albums you can just turn it on and push play. And you know, our our first introduction, you know, Tesla was of course Little Susie. Little Susie's on the up. It's a great song, and there's so many good things about that album. But when I jump into this one, you know, I could get lost on what my favorite song is because like it kind of depends on what I've heard last. And There are just so many great songs on here that weren't singles. You know, Easy Come, Easy Go is great. Getting Better is one of my favorite songs of all time, but that's not on our list today. Rock Me to the Top is a... I mean, that's one of those grit your teeth, turn the radio up type songs. The Cover Queen, that's another one that nobody really talks about that is just sneaky good, coming at you live. But Tesla still opens with that. And then Too Late for Love, We're Not Good Together, a really sad, sappy kind of love song. Changes is an incredible song. There is not a bad song on this album. And so it makes it difficult to pick. But I went with Modern Day Cowboy, which I thought was the one that really kind of put Tesla over the top and let people know that they were a serious rock band. And it's incredible, too, when I'm beginning to think about it, you know, they went platinum, and then everybody thinks, well, Steve, there's no way they could top that, but they did. It came out with The Great Radio Controversy. And one of the things, I I guess it was Rolling Stone, maybe, that talked about how intelligent these guys are, and they were kind of the thinking man's metal band. And I I think that's probably fair. There is, again, like Mechanical Resonance, there is not a bad song on this album. And I think it it really begins to roll as we get deeper into it. I had it on cassette, right? So you had, like, the hits were on side one, and then... You know, the rockers were on side too, and then all of a sudden they dropped uh, one of the greatest love songs of all time on us. But when I, get, when I think about that second side of that album, Making Magic, an absolute banger the way that it is, great. The Flight to Nowhere, one of the heaviest songs in our catalog, Paradise, an incredible love song, and then the party's over. Turn out the lights, the party's over. That is an absolute banger that nobody talks about. I'm telling you, Young Bucks, if you want a solid rock and roll band that's not real cheesy, that's going to be solid from start to finish on an album, Tuff was your band. Without a doubt, they are your band. You'll be glad you listened to them because it's not just about partying and things like that, you know, and and chasing women. they, they, They do some interesting stuff, like Edison's Medicine off Psychotic Supper. You know, it's about the controversy between Marconi and Tesla about who actually discovered this and created radio. There's so much stuff in there. It's very very intelligent these guys are educated guys they're not just a bunch of uh you know headbangers who grab guitars and you know decided to go out there and fuel a drug habit these guys are outstanding but i went with love song how could you how could you not go with love song off the great radio controversy a huge hit for them and uh yeah again there are times i listen to this song in my life and it just kind of resonates with me even all these years later I get really uh, almost emotional sometimes, you know, just because of the fact there is just so much of them in that. Uh, It's a great effort. So there you go, top 10 list today, top 10 Tesla albums. I'm sure you'll agree I got them all right. But uh, be sure and reach out to Roy at Dogmatic67 to give him your top 10 list. Pretty exciting stuff. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to getting to the next one. But uh, if you guys have ideas, please let us know. We're always eager. And somebody reached out on Twitter and said, hey, how about bands that debuted in the 60s and then became like supergroups? Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that. All right, this segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You will too. If you're unfamiliar, you, you should get to know the fine folks at Campus Bookmart. Standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie they do a great job providing mississippi state merchandise for bulldog fans around the country while you're in town go by and see their smiling faces if you can't make it to town let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide web courtesy of al gore's internet at campusbookmart.net and by being a loyal boneyard listener we'll give you a phrase that pays that is bsr which stands for beautiful steve robertson and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. It is getting warm. You need some new T-shirts. They have plenty. They even still have some NAFL championship merch. You can never have too much of that. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, over the weekend, Mississippi State picked up a huge commitment in college football. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Malik Ellis out of Laurel. You should be. Malik Ellis is a big-time player, and uh, a guy obviously that uh, has watched Charles Cross, you know, mature from a highly coveted high school prospect to a future first-round draft pick. And so Malik Ellis rated a four-star by the 247 Sports composite, six-five, and around. You know, he played last year around 250. I understand he's put on a little weight since then, and he is a guy that can probably carry 300 plus pounds. Similar situation to what Charles Cross did. It was kind of a long, lean guy that was kind of built from the ground up. Here's the deal, though. I would much rather have a guy like him than have that guy that is a little bit overweight, that has to drop weight to be able to play uh, at the level that uh, is required to fend off edge rushers in the Southeastern Conference. This is a guy that already has very good movement uh, I, I wrote a scouting report yesterday and made it free the thing about his film that stands out the first thing is is how big he is long lean athletic will really get after you very 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 patient pass blocker what i mean by that is how many guys do you see that don't get back on their heels and in an athletic position and then they end up lunging and a guy beats them on the outside guy gets it as a seven tack and they're not quick enough to get out there he has the quickness to deal with those guys so a big commitment to and offers from you know several schools let me run down the offer list for you too and it's a it's a variety of of offers here of course mississippi state offered alcorn state auburn austin p colorado houston jackson state kansas memphis missouri Ole miss oregon south alabama southern mississippi uab and utah so a ton a ton of power five offers here and, again, a guy that wanted to go to Mississippi State. Now, he wanted to go through the process. And, really, the only question about you know, his recruitment is when he would be a Bulldog. Well, now he is. And I got to that uh, I don't expect there to be any any issues at all You know, with, uh, with his commitment. I think that he is a guy that will do a great job for Mississippi State and a guy that will do a great job helping recruit this year, too. And, of course, he has a teammate down there uh, as well, Malachi Breland, that recently picked up an offer from Texas. Uh, Mississippi State had him on campus last week, and I saw him in person, and I was not blown away by him. He is a guy, too. It's uh, about 330 pounds, not especially long-limbed. He would probably be an interior guy. Probably need to work him out. Probably need to work him out this year before you make a decision. Some would say, but Steve, he's good enough for Texas. Okay, well, Texas is not going to take that guy right now. You know, they, they get in the boat a little bit and kind of make some uh make some hay a little bit, but I don't think that he is a guy that that could call and commit to Texas right now. I do think that he is a guy you look at, you know, over the course of this process and kind of to say, okay, well, you know, where does he where does he fit? Now, Mississippi State currently with three commitments and all three of them from in state programs. Malik Ellis, of course, from Laurel High School, Ty Jones from Bay Springs down there, he was Mississippi State's First commitment for the 2023 class. Where does he play? He's listed as an athlete. Could end up being a defensive end. Could could balloon up into a defensive tackle. I, I don't know. I think he's one of these guys, too, you look at and just kind of watch how he grows. But you sign the athleticism and you project the position a little bit later. Now, Joseph Head is a 6'4", 225-pound edge rusher. There's no question to me he is a defensive end. Reminds me a little bit of Ty Cooper. A little bit. I don't know that he gets to be quite as thick as Ty, but I think that he is a guy, number one, that wanted to be at Mississippi State and a guy that'll do a great job uh, here at Mississippi State, probably a future Dandy Dozen guy. All three of these guys, outstanding prospects and good early gets for us. Ty Jones, a four-star, Joseph Head, uh, a three-star. And it is a good year in State, and we're still learning. You know, there are new names that are popping up every day, you know, guys that we'll learn more about as we get a little deeper into the recruiting cycle. Let me give you a quick overview of some of the names out there in state that are leaning to Mississippi State and maybe not leaning to Mississippi State, just so you're somewhat apprised of how things are going. The current number one player in Mississippi is uh, Santorin Perkins. I actually have him third in my personal rankings, but he is currently rated the highest. Uh, I don't know if he's a running back or a linebacker, but he is a special quality of an athlete. Goes to Raleigh High School, the same high school as Dante Moncrief. And Dante is a hero to those guys, so I'm not surprised in the least that he is committed to Ole Miss. I do think that he is a guy they're going to have to work hard to get, but will ultimately keep. Now, my personal rankings, in my mind, the number one player in the state of Mississippi is Isaac Smith from Itawamba Agricultural High School there in Fulton, Mississippi. He is a safety. He's a guy's dad. Played at Ole Miss, I think, for a year, so he has some connections to Ole Miss. I think if he stays in state, he ends up at Ole Miss. That said, Mississippi State is recruiting him exceptionally hard to make him feel like a priority. So State is not conceding him, and there's no reason to do that in the middle of April. Uh, But he is a big-time player. Could be Alabama, could be Georgia. There are going to be a lot of people on him, and I think, again, he is the top prospect in the state. I think he's a future NFL guy. Aiden Williams out of Ridgewood is the state's top wide receiver. Love his game. I think that he's a guy that really does some – pretty impressive things uh lsu recently offered him now lsu i know wanted to see him and then he went to one of these camps and there were some lsu people there not official lsu staffers but you know people that uh maybe funnel information to lsu and then they end up offering him and i've been told from the beginning aiden really wants to go out of state and he is a guy too that i think uh you know mississippi state has some work to do to kind of get him turned around the top running back in the state is Dante Daldell. I don't know that he's a running back on the next level. I think he is an athlete playing running back. And you know at PCU, they absolutely love to run the football. It's kind of part of their, in their DNA down there. The Maroon Tide does a great job of playing from ahead. If they ever get a lead on you, they'll put the game away from you. And Dowdell is a big reason why. I don't know that he's not a linebacker. I know that Mississippi State is recruiting him, but they have not offered him as of yet. And that's something people are kind of curious about. I just don't know if from a running back skill set standpoint, if he fits what we want to do offensively. I do think that he is a guy that could be a big-time linebacker. But can he tackle? You know, got to get him in camp and see. The number five player in the state is Malik Gallus who is now committed to Mississippi State. Uh, Ty Jones, the number six player, also committed to Mississippi State. So we talk about, A, the top players in Mississippi may go elsewhere. Well, I don't know if that's really the case. I think we'll do a pretty good job this year keeping these guys in state. Uh, one of the guys that State really has not been able to make a lot of headway with is number seven, Jamarius Brown. I th- they list him as an edge. He's not going to be an edge. He's already 6'3", 250 pounds. This guy will slide inside and be at three technique. There's no doubt about it. Probably looking to go out of state. I know Ole Miss has made some uh, head road with him a little bit, but uh, I think Jamarius is a guy that likely ends up going out of state. I wouldn't count out shoe there with him. The number eight player in the state is a guy that I like an awful lot. His offer sheet I don't think really matches his film. It is a 6'3", 215-pound linebacker. The top linebacker prospect in the state to me is Tobias Hinton there at Hattiesburg High School. State has done a good job in the pine belt here as of late. I think Tobias is a guy that Mississippi State is in a good position with. I wouldn't call it a great position. I don't think that Tobias is ready to name Mississippi State as his leader, but I believe Mississippi State ultimately will sign him. Mac Howard, the uh, quarterback, former quarterback at Heritage Academy, has transferred to Oxford High School and uh, recently committed to Utah. So good job for Coach Chad Bumpus and the Utes to come into uh, Mississippi and get you know, the number one quarterback prospect in the state of Mississippi this year. Really good prospect, to say the least. And uh, Mississippi State nor Ole Miss have offered him. So I think Mac is a guy, too, that will probably kind of hold to what he's got. I don't think that he's a guy that's going to play recruiting games, but I'm not, I don't think he's done adding offers either. Once you get outside of that, it is very much a crab shoot. Now, there are a couple guys a little bit later you know, in the top 20 or so that I think will ultimately move up into the top 10, and there are some guys here in the early teens that I think will move back. Uh, a name to watch, too, for Mississippi State is offensive lineman Zay Alexander from Tupelo High School. I think Zay is the guy that will be a big-time player at Mississippi State, too. I think it's just a matter of time before he commits. But, um, you know, the top 20 is still, in my mind, a little bit disjointed. I think there are some guys out there that um, it's going to basically boil down on your own evaluation. I don't think it's going to be a year where we have a ton of, you know, of the best players in-state, leave-state, because I don't think a lot of them are going to have those options to do so. Uh, But I do think at this point, at the first blush, it is a good year in-state. I wouldn't say it is a really good year in-state and certainly not a great year in-state, there is some depth to this class. There is not a lot of headliners. And that's where I think that, you know, the discussions were going to happen. You know, what does Aiden Williams do? What does Isaac Smith ultimately end up doing? But I do think State no Miss will largely keep most of these guys in the state of Mississippi this year. So uh, that's your recruiting update. And uh, again, we will get newer names as we kind of get going here. And, and every day that I turn around, there's always like, hey, have you heard about this kid? And you go watch his film. You're like, yep, that's a, that's a D1 guy. Is he a power five guy or is he a G five guy? We kind of determined that during the camp. And then, of course, evaluating senior film. But uh, I like where we are. I know people are like, oh, well, Steve, you know Why why aren't we not getting more commitments? I kind of like the fact that we're taking our time here. And the reason that I say that is there are so many players out there that need further evaluation. And he said, well, Steve, we have no juice. We have three commitments. Ole Miss has one. They have one. And I think this year, due to the quality of the in-state talent pool, you don't have to rush the issue. I think you take your time because there's not a lot of difference between the number 10 player in Mississippi and the number 30 player in Mississippi. I think that's where the spring evaluation period and the summer camps are very, very important. So I think business will pick up, especially once we get into camp season, but there's just no rush at this point. And I don't think a lot of these guys are being deliberately you know, reluctant. As far as the prospects go i think they're just kind of waiting to see what state and old miss are going to do and who prioritizes them and again it's just april the 6th we got you know eight months to kind of figure all this out but i think several of these pieces will fall into place in the early summer months i think once we get into camp season you're going to see some guys pick up offers and guys make some decisions and i think there will be a lot of decisions that are made in the summer this year so we'll see again Good class. At this point, I wouldn't say a really good class and certainly not a great class. You know, when I did a top 10 list, I didn't mention our friend Close with Blair. I didn't mention Blair, so I apologize, Blair. We'll get you up to speed here. Blair Chandler, longtime friend of mine and a friend in the industry. So if you're looking to refinance your current mortgage or maybe perhaps to buy a home, maybe you're just kind of needing some information. You've never even thought about this process and said, you know, one day I'd love to have the dream of owning a home. I just don't know how to go about it blair is the guy that can take care of you visit him at close with you'll be glad you did blair's phone number 601-500-2344 601-500-2344 and blair is kind of bracing for rate hikes too there there's a lot of people out there that um, you know project that interest rates are about to rise so maybe it's time to make a move here rather than delay that decision whether you're looking to get you know some home improvements done perhaps uh you get some cash out to do some other things that uh, kind of add value to your life and to your property. Uh, Get your equity working for you. Many Americans today are paycheck-to-paycheck employees, and they, they hide it really, really well. And maybe you go to bed every night thinking, man, all I'm doing is I'm living to work to pay other people. Maybe it's time you did something for yourself, and Blair can help you with that. Maybe it's time to consolidate some debt and get those monthly payments consolidated down to just one payment rather than having to write 10 checks every month or have 10 ACH drafts out of your checking account. And you never know from one day to the next how much money you're going to have. Get all that resolved at close with Blair.com. And by being a loyal bondyard listener, if you mention to him, whether it be by taxed or carrier pigeon or by phone call or email, that you heard about him on the bondyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $500 value. Be sure and check it out today. Close with Blair, that's C-L-O-S-E, with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. All right, let's talk a little more college baseball. I've, I've dug into some numbers for you guys, too. I know you love numbers. And uh, I know somebody else that loves numbers, too, is uh, is our buddy Brooks Bryan at Portico. Uh, Brooks doing a great job trying to make Starkville an even better place to live. I love it here, and I am here until they put me in the nursing home. And my hope is that the nursing home will be here in Starkville. I really don't want to go to a nursing home. But if I do, I don't want it to be somewhere away from Mississippi State. I want to be able to go out and go watch Bulldogs play, even in my advanced age. But until then, let's live life and live life more abundantly. And maybe you can do that in Starkville, Mississippi. I love it here. You will, too. Uh, Give Brooks a call at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Portico, a great residential development. When you come into town on 82, you take the turn on twelve. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. That'll take you to Portico. It's 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, so you're right there near all the fun, but you're far enough away to have a little privacy and some quietness. It's great. You can have some quiet time, but also the convenience of being close to campus. So when it's time to go to Duty Noble Field, instead of you having to pack the car and make that long drive, here you are. So whether it's your primary residence, perhaps your place in Starkville, or even your retirement home portico has a place for you you have two bedroom two bath home options all the way up to four bedroom four bath so if you've got a growing family or maybe you're one of those people that's going to retire and then uh, you know entertain a lot during the athletic seasons at mississippi state they've got a home that fits you again that's portico make it your next move all right let's talk baseball real quickly a pretty interesting night around the league in the sec let's get caught up with that and i've got some things for you guys too that uh you know, maybe that uh, you'll find of note or you'll find interesting. All right, so here we go. So last night, a lot of non-conference games, a ton of non-conference games. All right, so let's take a look at what happened last night. And uh, again, just about everybody was in action. Uh, Florida, 13-3 winners over FAMU. Tennessee wins their, what, 20th straight ballgame? Five and one over Lipscomb. Uh, Louisville and Kentucky was postponed. Clemson beats Georgia 4 to 3, and that's at Clemson. Auburn, 6 4 winners at UAB. Of course, Mississippi State wins 13 2 over UT Martin. Vandy, 12 2 winners over Austin P. Southern Miss goes to Pearl and upsets Ole Miss 10 7. And I say upset only because of the numbers next to their name. Uh, Southern Miss having a pretty good season this year, and I think that the Golden Eagles probably in a good position to host here will likely win CUSA. Arkansas, 21-9 winners over Central Arkansas. I think Arkansas was a little upset about losing on Sunday. Uh, Alabama, 10-1 winners over Sanford, and then the South Carolina-North Carolina game also postponed. Texas A&M, 8-4 winners over Texas State. That's a nice RPI builder. Texas State currently ranked 10th. I don't know that I buy that. LSU, Mississippi State's next opponent, 16-3 winners over Grambling. Now, tonight, a little more limited action, of course. You've had some games moved, but uh, South Carolina and North Carolina will play tonight. That's going to be on the ACC Network Extra. And then Kansas and Missouri will play tonight. That's on the SEC Network, too. Uh, It's uh, 7 p.m. So if you want to watch that game, maybe you're looking for some college baseball, then that's that's an interesting game to watch. Uh, Missouri, of course, playing better this year. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Be awesome. All right, so let's uh, let's get into some other numbers that I picked up too. All right, this is interesting stuff, right? Because here's what happens: is we get so acutely aware of what's happening to us, we think it doesn't happen to anybody else. We think, hey, you know, we're terrible, and we're not. So Mississippi State got off to a little bit of a slow start this year. So. Let's take a look at the record of every SEC team in the last ten games. We're in SEC play now. We're three series into the SEC, so you're playing quality competition. Now, of course, you got some midweek throwaway games in there, but um, you know Mississippi State needs to play and win ball games. So Tennessee, of course, they've won twenty straight. So yeah, they've won ten straight. That kind of goes without saying, the Volunteers. A strong number one, and as I share with you guys on Monday's show, when you look at their upcoming schedule, they will likely stay there for a while. Could see something similar to what we saw with Arkansas last year, you know, where Tennessee just kind of gets up there and just kind of puts a stranglehold on number one. I still suspect that we'll see Tennessee kind of come back to earth a little bit later in the year. you got the greatest coaches in college baseball breaking down film and looking for tendencies, and so while I think Tennessee is an outstanding team, we'll see what happens between now and May. We get into May, you start seeing some different things happen. People begin to pitch you differently. People have figured out what you like and what you don't like, and they attack your weaknesses. So while I think Tennessee is a shoe-in for Omaha at this point, I don't think it's going to be the runaway that a lot of people anticipate. Georgia, second-place team in the SEC East, 6-4 and four in their last 10. 6-4. and four. Now, Georgia, of course, is, uh, is ranked. You know, Georgia's a team that um, you know had a pretty loud sweep over Florida. Georgia currently ranked uh, 14th in the country, and just six and four in their last 10. Vanderbilt, our friends at Vandy, they're ranked 16th in the country, and a lot of that's based on reputation. Vanderbilt, five and five in their last 10, five and five. What well, would you say they're turning in the right direction? Tennessee kind of exposed them. Right there with them, with a 5-5 five and five record in the SEC uh, last 10, is Mizzou. Missouri, 5-5 five and five their last 10 games. And, of course, they, they won a game against Arkansas. Florida, a team that was ranked very high in the early going, they're, they're underachieving to say the least. And I really thought Florida had a chance uh, to win the SEC this year. And I'm looking pretty foolish with that pick right now. Florida, 4-6 and six in their last 10. You know, swept by Georgia. They lose two out of three to LSU. You know, Kevin O'Sullivan, there was a lot of back-channel chatter last year about Sully trying to get out of Gainesville and that uh, there were some other issues out there that kind of prevented him from getting some jobs. And there he is, in a team that was expected to do well is not doing well. They still have talent. They returned a ton of offense. And that's one of the reasons that I think everybody, including myself, said, hey, you know, Florida, when you look at what Tennessee lost – Look at what Vanderbilt lost. Florida should run away with the East. Well, they haven't. Still time to turn it around, but they're not playing well. Four and six. Kentucky, a you know, tough weekend against the Rebels. They only scored one run on Friday and Sunday, but four and six in the last 10 for the Wildcats. But it gets worse. South Carolina, I've said for weeks now, I expect to see South Carolina make a coaching change at the end of the year. Three and seven in their last 10. Three and seven and their last ten. And then, of course, they have the you know, the game tonight. I remember, yeah, is that that yeah, game? Yeah, it's tonight against North Carolina. That's a ranked North Carolina team. And so it could get worse. And then when you look at what's coming up on the schedule for these guys from South Carolina, you know, they have this uh, game with UNC, and then they get Georgia. Then they get a midweek against North Florida, and then Ole Miss comes to town. So the good thing is for South Carolina is they get to play at home but three of their next four opponents are all ranked in the top 25. So the schedule's not getting any easier. And you're three and seven and you're struggling. You know, could be over sooner rather than later. All right, let's jump over to the SEC West. No surprise here. Arkansas played, pretty, played really well and uh, in contention for a top eight national seed. And I, I don't think offensively they're an elite team. They are an elite defensive team. And their pitching is better than advertised. I mean, they, they lost their best pitcher and uh, have found a way to make it happen. Jackson Wiggins, outstanding for them on Sunday. Really like the way this thing is set up for them. Uh, you know, Arkansas, I think, are they good enough to win at Omaha? I don't know that I would say that at this point. Are they good enough to be a top eight national seed? I would say yes. Yes. And I think that's the difference between us and them. We're a team that's uh, fighting to get in a regional somewhere, and they're a team that uh, – fighting to get back in the top eight. But eight and two in the last ten for Arkansas. Of course, one of those two came against us. Auburn, kind of a surprise team. You know, Auburn was kind of built to win last year. They hit the portal pretty hard. When and got Sonny DeShera from Sanford. He has been outstanding for them. And he looks like a guy that would be a beer, league, a beer league softball player. And then you look up, and next thing you know, it's 20 rows deep in left field. That guy can really swing it. Auburn, six and four in their last ten. 6-4, and four, including last night's win over UAB. LSU, the Tigers have been up and down. And I saw yesterday talking to Ron Polk, LSU has made 44 errors on a season, which is absolutely incredible to think about. That's, that's a huge number. Now, Jay Johnson, the new coach at LSU, is the guy that will trade defense for offense. They want to swing it. They want to put up big numbers. They want crooked number innings. And so, if long as guys, as they say, drive in more than they let in, they'll stay in the lineup. But uh, they're still shuffling out there. They've even moved K. doty at times to short. Now they've uh, they're moving guys again. So I think we're getting them at a good time. We got to go play baseball. Ole Miss, former number one, and I had somebody share a number with me last night. Since they went number one, they've been they're six and seven since they were number one. Well, they're five and five in the last ten. Of course, three of those came against Tennessee. We can judge them too harshly for that. But it is clear this Ole Miss offense is not what it was advertised or expected to be. That's not to say they won't get it together at some point, but uh, not playing up to expectations. And I, I read earlier today, I think it was Teddy Cahill, that has Ole Miss projected as a top eight national seed. Uh, I don't agree with that at all. I think Ole Miss, you look at their schedule, you know, it, it does not get any easier for them – Um, down the stretch here. You know, it's like you begin to think about all these things. Let's look at Ole Miss' schedule really quick here. They host Alabama this weekend. They should win a series. They go to South Carolina. You should win that one. Then they host Mississippi State. We beat them 14 out of 16 times. We're going to play them four straight days there, four four games in a row. Then they go to Arkansas. That's tough. They get Missouri. Then they go to LSU. Then they get A&M. So you look at the schedule and you say, hey, there's no way that, that Ole Miss doesn't host. And that's in my mind. I think they certainly host. I don't think they're a top eight. I, I do think, too, that uh, as we get into SEC play, they're going to have to figure some things out on how to score some runs without the benefit of the home run. But uh, Ole Miss, five and five. A&M, also five and five. You know, maybe the, the Aggies might be a little bit better than people anticipated. I thought they would be dead last in the West, and they still may. You know, it's going to take a slash a year or two to kind of get some things worked out up there. But – uh you know, they have won some big midweek games, which shows some really fight. And there are a lot of people that tell you midweeks don't matter. They absolutely do. But, uh, a and schedule a lot more difficult than many others. They will host uh, Kentucky this weekend. Then they travel to Georgia. They host Arkansas Then they travel to Vanderbilt. They host South Carolina. They host Mississippi state Then they travel to Ole Miss. So they're going to have to earn it. And, uh, I don't think they will. I do think they will be a Hoover team, but, uh, I don't think at this point you can look at them and say, hey, this team is going to make the postseason. A lot, a lot of work to do there. Alabama, our friends across the way there in 82, they're 6-4 and four in the last 10. And, of course, Mississippi State, two of those four. Uh, we need Alabama to win some games. You know, we need, them, we need to make sure that Alabama doesn't get swept the rest of the way. And they could upset somebody along the way. It would be great, too. I, I like this Alabama team. I don't think they're a team that's capable of getting you to Supers, but I think this is a team down the stretch that's capable of ruining somebody's season and then also, too, kind of upsetting the balance of the, uh, of the SEC standings. I think they're good. I don't, I don't think they're a team you look at and say that's a team that will likely get swept. I think they're tough enough. I think Coach Bo is a good enough coach to get those guys elevated and motivated uh, to get a game every weekend. You know, it's kind of you look at the formula. You know, you, you avoid a sweep on the road and if you can win your home series you're going to be in contention you're going to make hoover but you're going to be in contention for a regional somewhere alabama's just taking some you know some really tough midweek losses and that, that's going to really hurt their resume but they're capable of, of kind of running some interference for us we need chaos in the sec while we try to move up and get caught ahead and so the the way that state can get caught up is to win ball games right well maybe you hadn't been paying attention Mississippi State is 7 and 3 in their last 10, which is the third best record in the SEC over the course of the last 10 ball games. Of course, Tennessee 10 and 0, Arkansas 8 and 2, and then there's Mississippi State 7 and 3. And so yeah, we had the rough start, but now all of a sudden we're starting to play pretty good baseball. Yeah, did we did we not did we didn't play well on Friday and Saturday to Arkansas, but when you begin to look at the bigger sample size there and say, you know, what state's kind of turned in the right direction. And of the seven and three, two of the 3 were against the number two team in the country. So what are we going to do when we start playing these four and six, three and seven, five and five type teams? You know, all of a sudden you start looking at some optimism here. Let's take a quick look at the Mississippi State schedule, what's kind of coming up here. I think it's important for us to kind of take one game at a time, as you guys are well aware. And we as fans can kind of jump ahead if we want to because we're not playing or coaching the games. But, uh, you know, Mississippi State baseball schedule, you you, kind of get a look at this thing and you realize, you know, it's it's a bear every weekend, but I kind of like where we are with rare exception. And people say, well, you know, it's going to be a tough schedule. You know, it all comes into focus as we go. So as it stands today, Mississippi State will take on LSU, the worst defensive team in the SEC. Go out there, put the ball in play. They're likely to give you a base runner. or two. We're going to have to pitch it well because they can swing it. I actually think the colder weather this weekend helps us. They're a launch angle team. Then we'll get UAB here, and then we get Auburn here. So, again, a nice little homestead here before we go to Oxford. You know, Auburn comes in here and says, so if I had to call it today, yeah, I think we take the next two series. Do we sweep anybody? I don't know that I'm willing to say that. But I expect to pick up both of these midweek games and let's just say, okay, we win. You know, we win the next two series, all right, so that makes you four and two. You pick up the two midweeks, that's six and two. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're 13 and five over your last, um, you know, stretch there. You know, 13 and five over 18 games. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to get caught up in the standings. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to pick up some midweek wins that may help you a little bit. Uh, That trip to Missouri, I'm a little worried about that. It's a weird place to play. I don't think they're a great team by any stretch, but uh, they are playing better. You know, they embarrassed us last year. If we can't get up for that series, we're going to be in trouble. Then we get Florida here, and, uh, you know, Florida's a team that's capable of making some plays. You know, so, you know, we, we add them to the schedule, a team that I really thought would be, um, you know, a dominant team this year. You know, we got to find a way to win that one. You're glad you get it here. Then we go to Sanford before we go to A&M. And you never know what a is going to look like by the time we get there. And then we get Tennessee here. So, you know, the good thing is, is our most difficult series, with rare exception, is at home. We're going to play a lot of baseball at home. And, of course, that trip to Ole Miss is going to be huge, you know, for us. But, uh, you know, we've got a chance to make hay. And we, we look at the schedule and you start thinking, you know, can we get to 16 wins? Well, I think we can. I think we can get to 16 SEC wins. You got four right now. You need to pick up a dozen, right? You begin to look at the series here, and you say, okay, well, let's say we get the next two. Well, now all of a sudden, you're eight. You're halfway there. You get LSU and Auburn. Let's say you win two out of three. Now all of a sudden, you've got eight. So you're halfway to 16. you, you, you got to go play Ole Miss. It's tough to win on the road in this league. It really is, and, they're, and it's going to be a raucous crowd out there. But, uh, you know, i, I got to give a mental edge to Mississippi State. Let's say we go up there and take that series. Let's just, maybe because we're homers. now all of a sudden you got 10. Now you start thinking, okay, well, can I piece six together? Well, I've got, I got to go to Missouri, a team that's probably going to finish last in the East, but a team that's certainly capable of beating us. Then I got Florida, A&M, and Tennessee. And so when I read these comments sometimes, people say, oh, there's no way we're going to get here. Yeah, I think sometimes we just get kind of caught up in our own self-loathing that we forget the fact that, um, we have some games that are going to be favorable to us. There are no gimme games in the Southeastern Conference. They're not, but I think our road trips this year that are remaining are more manageable than perhaps they have been. We got we got to protect what we have at home, and we got to find a way to go out there and get some wins on the road. And uh, I am in no way giving up on this team, and you shouldn't either. And again, I hope when you look at this, when you look at this ten game sample, all of a sudden you realize Mississippi State has had the third best record in in the sec over the course of the last 10 things are turning in the right direction it is so easy to be a prisoner of the moment you know it's like, you know like friday we got embarrassed and listen i was there to see it wasn't any fun for me either you know you walk out of there and there's all these people that recognize you and you know they got stuff to say you know it's not any fun to watch the bulldogs lose but here's what i know is that we're better than we showed on friday and saturday and maybe we're not quite as good as we should on Sunday. But the reality of it is, is while we got off to a slow start, this season is far from over. And I still think there is a good chance they can have a winning record in the SEC. I think the bottom line is, is that we've, you simply got to get to Hoover. Let's say you finish in the top half of the league, and there is so much parity in the league this year. You know, getting hot late is going to be very significant for us. You know, we can swing the bats. You know, the, the problem is finding some consistency. And this is where Jay Cotro and those guys have really got to step up and get this team ready. You know, we're going to preview LSU, you know, uh, extensively on Friday. But this is a series that we absolutely can win. We absolutely need to win. I don't think there's any question about uh, this LSU team is probably not what many people expected. You know, early in the year, these people were, you know, su- suggesting LSU was going to go back to Omaha. And, yeah, they may. They're 20-9 right now. Twenty and nine, and, and when you look at the teams that they have played, they really hadn't played a lot of people. You know, they they lose to Texas six to one, and uh, you know, you you look at the numbers here. I, I mean, how many ranked teams have they played? Texas and Florida, and Florida's clearly overrated. Florida's unranked now, and so this is an LSU team, but is uh is kind of gotten fat on some pretty bad competition. And again, we'll detail that out more on Friday. But this is a team that obviously is capable. Of defeating us if we don't play well, but I think this is a team that we certainly should win the series. And if you can find a way to get some solid, you know, production out of this pitching staff, I think you could make this an awfully interesting weekend. We always talk about, oh, this is a season saver and this is that and this is this. You know, the bottom line is basically you get a little bit of a, you know, of a of an advance to next week. You know, it's like you get a you get a reprieve in many respects. But this is a team that is not fielding the baseball well, I mean, at all. This is a team that uh, now has 45 errors on the year. 45. 9.56 fielding percentage. And no, that's not good. But 45 errors. Opponents have made 33. And again, they haven't played great competition. So that makes your pitchers have to stay on the mound a little bit longer. And, and let's take a look here, too. Let's just see how much that has impacted them. That They've allowed 29 unearned runs. 29. We'll take some of those, right? And that's it's, it's over a run again. They're just giving you a run there. So we'll see how things progress, and I look forward to breaking this series down. But uh, I do think, you know, anytime you see the LSU logo, if you're a Mississippi State fan, you kind of wince a little bit, you know, because it's like, oh, my gosh, these guys always seem to get us, even when, even when we have had big years they have found a way to get us so we got to make sure that doesn't happen all right listen i'm gonna tell you guys too i'm also going to be um i'm going to be at the fca event the friday of super bulldog weekend you may be familiar with that i'm going to be april 15th at the mill right across the road from the university i'm going to be at the mill Uh, me and some other people will be there there'll be the fca event it's gonna be a fundraiser and um You know, I'm going to be there. Going to be some Mississippi State athletes there. They're going to be signing. I'll be signing. And it should be exciting to be there. And uh, usually we have uh, a big turnout there. And, again, that's the MSU FCA fundraiser. It's the night of champions, but it'll be during the day at the mill, April 15th. Uh, We just finalized that date. Of course, you can buy books there, too. So it is a fundraiser, but you can also spend some money on yourself uh, and buy some books. So if you're coming in for that event, coming in for Super Bulldog Weekend, Uh, We look forward to seeing you. That's going to do it for today. Again, we'll be back on Friday to preview the weekend. And uh, what a great weekend it is. It's fun to be able to talk college uh, baseball uh, basically full-time now. And, of course, we're mixing some recruiting stuff. I don't think we're going to see a lot of recruiting news. In the next few weeks, I mean, you never know. We didn't know Malik Ellis was ready to commit until we did, you know, but I don't think there's a lot of guys that are really being pushed. If I had to pick today, I would say Zakari Zagari Tillman out of Florence, Mississippi, is probably your next commitment. And then Brock Glenn, the quarterback, out of Lausanne Collegiate School in Memphis. That's another name we're really watching. So th- there will be some things happen. I don't think you see a big run, though, where, like, you know, State gets you know five or six commitments in a month until we get into the summer that could change because you never know how recruiting works but i'm not i don't get the sense the state is pushing for a lot of commitments just yet until next time let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live